That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy. Like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I see fun. I see fun. The Diary of Jeff Kirkman seem fun the diary of jen kirkman podcast episode 232 hi everybody hi everybody when does this episode air let's see on may hmm, you already know but i have to figure this out so i can oh yeah so i'm not in bloomington yet listen people i ain't fucking around if you live anywhere near bloomington indiana You've got to come see my show this weekend. And I know it's Mother's Day weekend, so you might be like, I can't. But how about all you non-mothers? All you ladies who didn't have kids. I'm your... I'm your Oprah. Well, Oprah's also your Oprah because she doesn't have kids. But I don't even have, like... She has, like, a school for girls. And they all... All the girls now come to her house in Santa Barbara. And I, I don't even have that. Like, I'm really kidless. So, like, I'm still your Oprah. So all you people who don't have kids, why don't you come to my shows? Not that that's what the show's going to be about, but listen, I'm trying to brand myself here. I'm just kidding. Or people who, uh, they don't do the Mother's Day thing. Your mom's dad or your mom's a jerk. I don't know why coming to my show is helpful, but you just can't use Mother's Day as an excuse is my point. Or bring your mom. What a gift. The gift of laughter. I actually will say this, in case any of you want to bring your moms, and your moms might be a little on the, you know, you don't want to sit there while a comedian is talking about sex, and there's your mom. I actually, my new hour, I don't have any, like, dirty stuff that isn't mom approved. I mean, like, you know, I can drop an F-bomb every once in a while, but um, my material is not about stuff that you would squirm sitting next to your mom about. It's about this crazy meditation retreat I went on, and I had like a total breakdown there because, well, I won't tell you because, because that's the punchline. Um, I talk about growing up being afraid of nuclear war. I talk about, um, what do I talk about? God, I better get my act together. Literally. 
Oh, I forget. Oh, I talk about um, this lady on a plane who was praying to Jesus. It's on anti-religion. It's just about the way I was taught about Jesus. It's very different than the way Christians are taught about Jesus um, because Catholics and Christians are very different, just like men and women. And uh, I talk about getting older and how it feels and how I felt in each decade of my life and how this one really is the best and why. And I look back and, and I talk about some election stuff and, and um, I talk about my love of Hallmark movies. I talk about um, stuff like that. So it's like it's really, I think you will get, you will not be skeeved out to go with your mom or your dad or anybody. So, Bloomington. And again, the Comedy Attic is one of the best run clubs in the country. It's a small little club. It's really cute. And I'm just telling you, you are just going to, they they don't insult your intelligence. And the more we support clubs, and like, I'll see you when you come back. The thing is, there is no come back if you don't come now. Don't do it to me. And I won't be back until 2020 anyway. So don't fuck around. I'm going to have you go right now to jenkirkman.com and you click on tour dates. Or if you are old-fashioned, they also take phone calls. So you can call the box office, 812-336-5233. And I'll see you May 10th, 11th, and 12th. I have five shows total, one Thursday, two Friday, and two Saturday. So please, everybody, get those ticky tickets in advance. And if you buy them, will you tweet at me at I Seem Fun Podcast or at Jen Kirkman and let me know you bought tickets to see me in Indiana because then I'll retweet you. Everyone gets excited. You can at the Comedy Attic, which is at Comedy Attic, A-T-T-I-C. How does that sound? London, I'm coming for one night, June 22nd. This is a really big deal. I need you to be there for me at the Leicester Square Theater, Friday, June 22nd, 9.30 p.m. There will actually be some new stuff for you if you saw me back in January. It's going to be a hodgepodge of different things, and um, it's a perfect show to take someone to who has never seen me live if you want to grab a friend. And again, those are on sale at jenkirkman.com. Click tour dates. We kept it cheap for you, 15 pounds. I ain't making any money on this gig. It's actually for uh, the benefit of something else. I'm in town doing some other business, and... So I'm doing a gig. So come to that. Um, What else? Oh, and Vermont. I'll be at the Vermont Comedy Club in Burlington, Vermont in October. And that, um, again, if you're anywhere on the East Coast and you want to see me, that's where you want to go. If I do a couple tour dates this winter, it will not be anywhere near the East Coast. It would be all Midwest. So... Please, if you missed me in New York and you like to take long drives or, you know, go see the foliage, come see me because you're not going to see me in any eastern state um, in 2018. So Vermont Comedy Club, again, another club that is just runs so fantastically and you really need to support them because they support all the right kind of comedians and they... They just run their club in a great way. So you can buy tickets to that. JenKirkman.com. Click tour dates. Their box office number is 802-859-0100. And if you buy tickets for it, tweet at me at Jen Kirkman at I Seem Fun Podcast and at VT Comedy. That is the Vermont Comedy Club Twitter handle. I'm telling you, get into it. Social media is the next big thing. All right. I am part of the All Things Comedy 
Network. Please go to allthingscomedy.com and check out all the other great podcasts. You can go to my website, jenkirkman.com slash podcast to see all the different uh, episodes and descriptions. And please subscribe on iTunes if you can, even if you don't listen to it through iTunes. And give me five stars and write a review. This week's review says, Jen predicts that social media will be the next big thing. That's all you have to write. Girl, she's so smart. She predicts that social media will be the next big thing. Gave it five stars. I know you're like, I should do that. I always hear her say that and I never do it. Put down the dishes. I know you're washing your dishes right now. Put them down. Go to your computer and do that. You can buy my books. I can barely take care of myself. And I know what I'm doing. Another lies I tell myself. Uh, You can go to IndieBound.org and you can look it up. That will direct you to your nearest mom and pop bookshop if you want to support online corporate giant shopping. You can get it at Amazon. There's paperback, hardcover, audiobook. So do not buy a used book, please. Buy a new one. Thank you. Um, what else? Uh, I don't know. Jesus, I don't fucking know. I'm going to be working on an album version, I hope of my last comedy special on Netflix. Um, I don't have to work on it. I just have to release it as an album. So the details are in the, uh, in the works. But if you want to buy my first album, I'm going to die alone and I feel fine. It's not my first album. It's my first Netflix special available as an album. That's on iTunes for $9.99. There we go. What else can I tell you? Well, you can also buy my first two comedy albums. I hate them. And I recorded them well over 10 years ago. And I hate both. But that's, every comedian feels that way. Um, I don't believe half the things I still believed then. I don't like the way I'm using my voice. But if you're a completist, you can get those. You can go to my website. And they are there. So, huh, is that enough business? Taking care of business. I'm at my Airbnb in Brooklyn. Uh, I was told this is a shoeless building. Do not wear shoes because it makes clompy stompy sounds, which I'm all for. I don't wear shoes indoors anyway. And, you know, your feet are dirty. Shoes are dirty. And they're like, no loud parties. You can't even have a friend over. Like, this is a very serious building. But the people downstairs from me have a piano, and the sounds of them playing come up through the floorboards, which actually doesn't bother me because they're never playing at late hours, but... I do hear it, and I'm like, I'm just saying, I hear it. So, you know, just saying. I don't know what, just saying is the most obnoxious thing you could say. Well, besides, like, I'm a Nazi, and I love it. But besides that, also, then just saying is right up, is right up there, right up under that. Um, I'm drinking peppermint tea, which they say supports digestion. But I'm going to be honest with you, in the acid reflux community, peppermint is not recommended. So, (laughs) woo! That's what you can expect from iSeam Fun, is rebuttals to common health myths and popular ideas blown apart. Oh my god, ow! So my voice is good. My voice is good. It was really scary uh, a couple months ago when I had that chest cough and lost my voice at the um, Helium Comedy Club in Buffalo and then took steroids, which is supposed to just bring it right back to life. And um, it did for about two hours, and then I lost it for two weeks. And it, I really thought, no, this time I've done it. Even though the um, 
my ear, nose, and throat doctor in New York was like, listen, your cords aren't that inflamed. It looks like you went to a football game and screamed for your team. And, uh, which I did not do, because that does not interest me. I don't even know who my team, oh, my team would be the Seattle Seahawks. My friend uh, Sarah Colonna is married to John Ryan, and I, John's my friend too. And so I enjoy them. But I don't know what the hell's happening when I watch football. Um, anyway, my point is I, um, but I'm, I'm going to start going back to voice therapy because, you know, you should do it anyways just as a, um, as a practice. Now, I'm not being bragging when I say this. But I know all the voice exercises. Oh, that's right. Well, I don't know all of them, but I know most of them. I know the ones to do. I know everything from loosening up my neck to going, the humming, the straws, how to use my breath, blah, blah, blah. But what's helpful about going to voice therapy is they can actually measure it. They have you record into this thing. And even if your voice sounds clear as a bell the way that I think mine sounds, it registers something somehow, and you see it come up in colors, and they're like, okay, so you want 30% less red next time, and it means your voice is, and then you, like, hold a note for a long time, and they, they gauge how strong your chords are and how clear and blah, blah, blah. So they, um, the last time I went to voice therapy was a month and a half ago, and they were like, you have about 30% improvement that you need to do. I'm like, that's pretty good. So I'm going to continue. See, I used to only go to voice therapy to heal when I was like this. But now I'm going to go with a healthy voice so I can continue to strengthen it. Because why not be at 100%? Why be at 70 But, oh my God, I'm not going back to the guy that I used to go to just because it's like red tape. Um, if my ear, nose, and throat doctor isn't at Cedars, then I can't get a prescription to see my old voice doctor because he works through Cedars, blah, 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 blah. So Cedars is a hospital in Los Angeles, um, but I do not see the ear, nose, and throat doctors there anymore because I find them to be not to my satisfaction. None of them diagnosed anything that I had as having to do with acid reflux, and I can't even get into it. So anyway, um, But I go to these people, I can't, I mean, I'm just so sick of weird people. It's just like, all right, like, like not, okay, I'm weird, right? Like I, I'm, I have a Ramones t-shirt weird. Does that make sense? I'm a grown woman. I don't know new music. I like what I like. I'm an old, um, former teen who was neither goth nor punk, but was some kind of perfect mix of grunge, punk, I'm depressed music, okay? So, and I'm an artist. I'm a stand-up. I'm a weird person. We're weird people. I'm not um, Susie Homemaker, you know? I don't, I'm not a totally normal person. But I'm talking weird people that you're just like, why? Why? Be, the, the type of weird people that you don't, not the type that you look at on the subway, you go, they are weird. Good for them. This is interesting. This is like looking at art. How does she do that makeup? 
Ooh, look at that funky outfit. Now, what kind of job do they have where they can wear that outfit? I don't mean that kind of weird. That's fun. But where people are acting weird to you and now it affects your day. And you're like, you know what? Your weirdness is getting in the way of whatever experience we're trying to have because you are so weird. I feel like I'm not going to be articulate about these two insane vocal coach women that I saw. And I really am not going to use their real names anyway, but if I, could, I can't even remember them. So I'm going to call them Shirley and Susie. So Shirley is the big doctor. You know, she's the head of the voice place, whatever I went to. So I walk in. I have an appointment with Dr. Shirley. Now, I don't realize that you can't just walk in. And I forget because everyone's got their own ego. If you know 100% what you need, where you've been, you've got your whole life record of voice stuff, and you're like, look, these are the exercises I do, this is the diet I'm on, then on and get start over like you never fucking knew shit. Does that make sense? You can't bring your car somewhere and go, now look, the carburetor, is that a term or is that a spaghetti? The carburetor does this, but the engine with the clutch goes over here, and they're like, then let me tell you. And you're like, oh, for... Well, that's not, who told you that? That's not true at all. You don't even have a car. What you have here is a dog. You just brought a dog in. I can't look under the hood of a dog. Who, who even told you that you, you, this was a car? So I go in with two years of voice therapy under my belt, seeing one of the utmost acid reflux doctors out there in America, consistently named one of New York's best doctors by New York Magazine, a best-selling author, of books about acid reflux, the man who single-handedly helped save my voice, and they're telling me about acid reflux. I go, no. Okay, so let me start. I have no idea that I'm not going to be able to skip ahead the intake where they try to figure out, like, how much I know. And because they're, they're not listening to how much I know. They're, they're, they're asking in a combative, antagonistic way as though I don't know anything. Instead of going... Hey, so, you know, you use your voice professionally. You're not a fucking idiot. You're a middle-aged woman. Like, I bet you've been around the block. Like, tell us what you know. Instead, it was like, so I come in, and there's Shirley, and she's like, hi. And voice doctors always do this. Like, guys, I know that you're trying to teach us how to talk correctly. Like, when I go, I seem fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, instead of I seem fun, right? You see the difference? Hi. Uh, no, that was wrong. I seem fun. I seem fun, I seem fun, I seem fun, right? But it's not sustainable completely to talk like that. And I know we, it should be, but sometimes I fall back into habits. And I really do try to be conscious of my breath when I'm recording this podcast. And I really try not to staccato the uh, uh, and do vocal strain. But these people overdo it to the point where it's like, you know you don't talk like this in real life. So this woman was like, hi, I'm Shirley. And today my assistant, Susie, she'll be doing some of the intake as well. She is also one of the greatest voice coaches ever. So it's us two, and we know all about what to do for singers. And I said, oh, I'm not a singer. Oh, So we'll get to that. So I sit down, and you can tell, like, they don't even ask. 
how you got here. They don't even say, because you have to have a prescription, who recommended you and why. They don't start there. I mean, I've put it on my intake forms, but it's sort of a good way into the conversation. Again, just so you can see if you're dealing with someone who's literally like, I didn't even know you were supposed to protect your voice. You mean no vocal cords don't last forever? You can't just do whatever you want? Because I was thinking of sticking flames down my throat later and just screaming at the top of my lungs for 24 hours straight. I can't do that. Now, I don't know why I gave that person a southern accent. I'm very sorry. I'm from the north, and all I know are fucking idiots. So I could have given that person a Boston accent. How about this? The next time I make fun of some random idiot, and the next time I do a voice that's supposed to indicate this is a fucking idiot, I'll do a Boston accent. Anyway. Anyway. So she goes, so they don't start with anything like, have you been to voice therapy before? Nothing. No. She just looks at me, and you can tell that she's delighted because she thinks I don't know why she's asking and that I'm about to have my mind blown, but I'm not. And she goes, well, let's begin. Now, tell me what you ate yesterday. There's no judgment, just a recall. And I'm like, oh, I already know. She didn't talk to me about acid reflux. I go, oh, I already know all about acid reflux. I go, I go to the, one of the number one doctors in America for it, and um, I'm on a... I'm on a low-acid diet, and when I'm not on it, I notice that it comes back. So, yep, I totally get it. I already know. She goes, she just looked at me, looked through me, and goes, why don't you tell me what you had to eat yesterday? No judgment. She just says the same thing over. I'm like, are you fucking listening to me? Are you, are you so obsessed with your vocal cords that you fucking forgot how to use your ears? I go, well, I don't want to because yesterday was a weird eating day for me. Now, I should have just made it up. I should have just given her the best possible day on my acid reflux diet, it was just so funny that, like, I'd barely eaten anything the day before because I'd eaten really late the night before and I'd eaten so much. Sometimes I'm just, like, stay full for an entire day and, like, I'll just drink coffee in the morning and then, like, just have something really light in the afternoon and I'm just, ah, forget it, you know, because I can't eat or shouldn't eat after six for acid reflux. And this crazy bitch said, now they say, whoever they is, but she said, now the acid reflux community says, no, even drinking water after 6 p.m., which I find foolish. I'm not going to go that far unless my voice was like so fucking bad that I had to do everything drastically again. So she goes, so I just start, I just like can't do it. I like just can't be treated this way. And I know that you're like, just be humble. And it's like, I'm totally humble and down to learn new things, and I'm always asking questions. Like, what she didn't understand is she could have had a great fucking patient if she just did things my way. But it's, it's like, you have to adjust to each patient. And if, like, someone comes in who's pretty knowledgeable about their own self, like, you got to drop your little shtick. You just have to drop the shtick. Drop the shtick. Read the rooms. that makes sense? When I'm on stage, I cannot keep pretending that I'm doing well with a bit. I mean, sometimes you have to. But it's like, you just have to drop the shit sometimes. So anyway, I honestly kind of vaguely forget what happens. I think I said this was a weird eating day. I'm not going to tell you what I ate yesterday. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell you what I ate. I'm going to tell you the things I eat and what I don't because every day I said, she goes, well, a lot of people think they're on a low acid diet, but they don't really know. I go, 
She goes, have you read the blah, blah, blah? I go, no, but again, my doctor has written two books on it and I've been on his program for two years and that's why you hear me talking with a voice as opposed to like this. Like, and I said, I had an upper endoscopy and I was completely cleared of having any more um, reflux. So thank you. Like, bitch, I got this. But see, I'm always willing to learn. Again, that's what I was saying. It's like, if you just sit there, I will ask you 5 billion questions. I ask questions all the time. I'm always taking notes. I'm always loving to learn new things. I always want, if, if you do my hair and makeup, I'm asking 50 questions. How do you do that? What do you do? I love to learn stuff. And I'm the first to admit, I don't know shit about squat. But when someone is doing their thing and they won't treat me like a person, they're just doing their whole bit on me, it makes me crazy. Especially because it's literally what I do for a living is read the room. I don't always get it right. I don't always get it right. But I try. And she wasn't even trying. And so I said, listen, why don't you tell me what I shouldn't eat? But I can give you, I said, I have it in my phone. So I brought up on my phone, I have a bunch of notes. I have the whole acid reflux diet in my note section. I have best foods to eat and what to avoid. And then I have a list of what I personally avoid and I showed it to her. And she's looking at it, mm-hmm. And she had nothing new to share to, to me. I said, I, I, I don't eat red meat. I don't eat that, you know. She goes, oh, okay. All right, well, no water after six. That's the new one. And I knew I disapp- I'd ruined her day because she didn't get to do her little mind-blowing thing. But it's like, come on, let's pick up the pace. Let's get. So I do all the vocal testing, which is fine. You have to do that. I mean, that's like the basis for what the appointment is. She's like, do you know that you have a vein in your neck that strains when you talk? I'm like, yep. Tried to do it with my old voice therapist. It's just, I think it is like fucking decades of conditioning. My neck is always tight. I mean, it doesn't hurt. But whenever I get a massage, you're like, oh, your neck is tight. I'm like, I'm sure it is. I don't feel it. I get it. Like, I do Pilates. I do private, like, um, physical therapy. Like, I know. I'm probably, like, I'm a super uptight person. I'm always traveling. I'm always sitting. I'm always writing. Like, I do all the worst things for your neck. And I'm uptight. So it's like, yeah, that's, I know that's my cross to bear in this life. I'm going to have a tight neck, even though I'm so lucky. I don't feel it, and I don't have any neck pain. But when I speak, it totally comes from my neck. I have to constantly be thinking about whatever. It doesn't necessarily mean, like, you have to think about your diaphragm. It just means, like, relax your neck. So I said no. I said, I honestly, like... I said, the vein thing is so depressing to me, like, that I just really don't know what to do because I've I tried to relax it so many times, and I know it's just a daily habit, but to be honest, like, I am a little unwilling in that area to spend, like, 20 minutes a day doing neck rolls and doing this, and I was like, honestly, yeah, it's like this, it's like I don't even want to look at it. It's so upsetting to me. So I was, like, being very honest about what I'm resistant to, and there was no sense of, like, give or take with her where it was like, oh, well, this is something I can work on with you, like... I was trying to excite her, like, hey, there is stuff you can help me with. Like, what do you do with someone who's lost the will to even try in certain areas because they're just so depressed that they don't think it'll change? But yeah, she doesn't pick up on that. She goes, so you travel a lot for your job? I go, yeah. She goes, mm, follow me. I go, why? She goes, because there's something you should know. It's like she's, like, go run a haunted house if you want to surprise people all the time. Have a con- I already knew, I said, I 
bet this is about sleeping on a slant. I bet. I bet. Susie knows where. Susie, come with us. It's always good for you to get a reminder, too. And we go into her office. She goes, now, I'm assuming you stay in hotels that have a chair or a couch in the room. I go, yeah, sure. And she's like, she's so excited. She can't wait. I already know what she's going to do. She's going to take the cushion out of the couch, and she's going to suggest that I put it under the mattress or use it. Like, I already, yeah, I know these tips. And they actually haven't worked for me. That's why I, a lot of times, will travel with an inflatable wedge pillow. If you're like, what are you talking about? Sleeping on a wedge pillow is a thing to do for acid reflux. You're slightly elevated. Whatever. So I said, oh, I know this trick. I mean, I'm sorry if I sound like I'm being a dick, but it's like I could be doing valuable, like I'm trying to get next level vocal exercises. Like there's the remedial stuff for people that don't know what the fuck they're doing. And then there's people like me who's like, can you give me extra hardcore ones for warming up pre and post show for doing around, like I have an hour and it's costing me like $200 out of pocket. So I'm I'm trying to like get something that's worthy to me and I don't need these performances with the suspense. And she just looks so deflated. Like, why are you shouting out the trick to the magician? It's like, because the magician's wasting my fucking time here. Stop doing card tricks and start pulling doves out of your coat. I get the basics. So she goes, well, you can just prop it up under the mattress, too. I'm like, first of all, I'm not, I don't want to prop something. I don't want to lift up the mattress in a hotel room because I have read. I don't even want to know what's under there. I've also read, and this freaks me the fuck out, that more times than you would think, people have cut open the mattress of a hotel room and put body parts in there. I'm telling you. And rooms will stink for days and people can't figure it out. I'm throwing up thinking about it. When you travel, never skimp on hotels. Skimp on meals. Um, Not hotels. You can't be in one of the ones where they put body parts in the mattress. You just can't. And I feel like the better the hotel, the more likely they are to not do that. Not the staff is doing it. You know, whatever. So now it's like there's one minute left of the thing. And she's like, well, what I normally have the singers do is, um, are you sure you don't sing? No, I don't sing. Okay. So they test my octaves. And I have to go like. She goes, you have a two octave range. She's like, that's some Pavarotti range. She goes, very few people have a two-octave range. Now I'm, I'm all ears. Oh, I'm in a very few people. I said, oh, well, I should. too bad I don't sing. Because that sounds, that, that sounds like that would be great. So keep that in mind that we're talking about singing. So then I sit down. She goes, well, I'm going to need to hear a little bit of how you use your voice in your work. And I'm like, no, you don't need to. I, I already know what you're going to say. How you doing? really how you doing oh I get it you don't want to tell me well who do you tell nobody you gotta talk to somebody sometimes and no 
Your mom doesn't count. The lady over the desk at work doesn't count. Writing, were you, are you one of those people that's writing those long Facebook posts? And then this happened, and I don't know why this, no, no, no. Have you thought about going to therapy? I know. There's a stigma attached. I'm not crazy. Therapy isn't for crazy people. And it also is. And who's crazy anyway? That's a terrible word. Maybe you just think you don't have time. You can't fit an appointment into your schedule. You can't leave work. You have an hour for lunch. And therapy takes an hour, so that doesn't work. Can't go on weekends, blah, 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 blah. And hey, your health insurance doesn't cover it. Blah, 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 blah. Like, you've got plenty of excuses, but not anymore. Because our sponsor, Talkspace, is therapy that you can do anywhere. It's the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere, anytime. All you need is a computer or phone with the internet or the Talkspace mobile app. You can improve your mental health, even if you've had trouble making time for it in the past. And guess what? It doesn't have to be, let's dig deep into my childhood. You can talk about perfectly everyday things that you need help with. Those things that turn over and over in your mind. You go, I'll think about it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll talk to that person about my needs tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. No, do it today. And that therapist is going to help you learn some cognitive skills. Here's the thing. Talkspace.com slash Jen, J-E-N. Start reading about it. The Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed therapists. They are experienced in addressing all the life challenges we face. This is completely confidential. This is completely secure. And you can use the code Jen to get $45 off of your first month and to show your support for this podcast. So it's Talkspace.com slash Jen. When you get on in there and you check out, use code Jen to get $45 off of your first month. Now, here's the thing that is so freaking cool about this is there's all different different and different payment options and payment plans. And you can message your therapist. You can even do, uh, you can just read about it. You're going to see. But again, Talkspace, it's therapy for how we live today. No commutes. And you can message them whenever you need to. Talkspace.com slash Jen. So she goes, well, why don't you do your comedy act for me right here? I'm like, because it's not like that. It's, and she's like, you don't think it'll be funny? I'm like, well, A, it won't, because this is not how comedy works. You don't do it at a table with someone there. Like, there's no fucking way, even though you're trying to listen to my voice and, like, see how I work and, like, see what my neck does, like, there's no way you're not analyzing the material. Like, no fucking way. Like, I'm not doing it. It just, it does not come naturally. It's not even, like, I'm choosing not to do it. Like, cannot do it. Cannot, will not. If you're singing like, you know, My Way by Frank Sinatra to show your how you use your voice on stage, um, they're not sitting there analyzing the lyrics like, what does that mean? He's got no regrets but too few to mention. Well, then that's a contradiction. You know, they're not obsessing over the words. We know all the words to My Way. And they're just listening to your voice. So I said, I could, say, I could say the words of a popular song and do it the way I would deliver my act. And she's like, why are you so hesitant to do your act? I'm like, listen, I do 20-minute stories. I'm like, I'm telling you. I go, my act is really conversational. So then she's like, well, maybe I'm not understanding the type of comedy you do. I said, I do stand-up comedy. So now I wish I had someone else here so I could act it out. Imagine... Me going, I do stand-up comedy. So that's like the base, like just that's the base running monologue. This is what I'm saying. 
I do stand-up comedy. I perform alone on stage. You know, if you know who Jerry Seinfeld is, it's exactly what he does. It's just me talking alone into a microphone for an hour. So just imagine all that's going on. She goes, improv, games, improv comedy with a group, a lot of nightclubs, a lot of... So you're around a lot of singing and loudness all night. So you have to talk over the singers. I'm like, what? What is she talking? I go, no, I'm in my own theater where there's nothing going on before or after. It's just me. They're staring at me. And I know they're thinking, well, how are you that successful? I never heard of you. It's like, you cannot. Like, literally in the, in the history of history, nobody has talked to a stand-up comedian properly except another stand-up. It's never happened. Goodbye. Case closed. Door shut. Yes, I'm about to YouTube the sound of a door shutting because I thought it would have been cool if I had that there. But the moment is already gone. But it's I seem fun. Door shutting sound effect. They have everything else but that. Door slam. Door slam set. Okay. Nobody has ever known... How to talk to a comedian in the history of anything. Don't even try. Goodbye. Yes. Oh, that made some weird noise after. So I said, look, I, what are you trying to get at with this question? Are you trying to see how I use my voice when I'm unconsciously using it? She just nods. I go, I walk into a club and I do a sound check. And I have them blast the monitors at me. And I, I usually lie and tell them I'm hard of hearing because it's hard to explain that I need to hear myself so loudly. And there's monitor. The feedback from my monitors on stage is not what you guys hear in the audience. So I have to hear myself really loud so that I talk quieter. She goes, you do talk three volumes louder just sitting in a room. But they say it in such a way that shames you. And I swear to God, all voice coaches are like this. If anyone has ever gone to one, tell me. How shamed you always feel after. Um, she's like, I just wanted to let you know that the level we're talking, and like they're so over talking quietly, it's ridiculous. She's like, the level we're talking is acceptable for a room, but the level you're talking at, if people were down the hall, they could hear you. It's way too loud for normal conversation. I'm like, I know. I go, that's something I want to work on. And we would have gotten it in the first five fucking minutes of this session. But now we're at the last five minutes because you had to take me through all your shtick. I said, I've been honestly thinking about getting my hearing tested. She goes, well, I used to talk loud too. And then they found a big ball of wax in my ear. And I said, oh, well, I think I may be deaf in one ear. I don't think it's wax because you never know. I go, yeah, I, I go to a head and neck doctor and he looks in my ears. But, I mean, isn't that what they do when they stick that thing in your ear at the light? Is there something deeper that when they see the wax then? I, I don't know. I just had a feeling this woman wasn't a physical specimen of health, by the way. So I was just sort of like, I, I don't know. I don't know where she went, where they found wax in her ear. And if it was like, does she not go to a yearly physical where they look in her ears? Like, people look in my ears all the time. You know what I mean? I had just been to a lot of doctor's appointments recently for pre-op stuff, and so... I was like, I don't know, I feel like wouldn't the doctor have seen it? And she just stared at me. I'm like, okay, well, I'll get my hearing tested, which I want to. And um, I seem to remember, even when I was a little kid, this was like, do you remember they would do like hearing testing and eyesight testing at elementary school? Is that still a thing? Or is that like the boundaries that we can't do that with the children? But um, 
I haven't even taken a sip of this tea. It's still warm. Um, I want to say that I, when I was little, I remember them being just kind of on the border. I could be wrong. Anyway. So I'm like, so I stand on stage and I talk and, you know, sometimes I do this. And a lot of times I do the, blah, 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 blah. And she was just like, she could not deal that I would not do my act for her. And I was like, you can find it on Netflix. I'm like, I don't know what that is. I'm like, okay, you know what? I, I can't. So we did like a few exercises and, um, I left learning nothing new except encouragement to get my hearing tested. And we did the same exercises I've done 50 times other places. And she's like, and next time when you come, we'll go to the next level. And I'm like, yeah. So I didn't go back. Um, and it honestly it was just because of my surgery and recovery stuff. Like, and then I had to go to New York, but I, when I called to cancel, like even the receptionist was weird. And I called like five days before the appointment. I was like, I'm recovering from surgery and it is not going how I thought it would. And this was my only week free. So like, I can't come in. She's like, Hmm, you're sure you won't be able to come in this week? I'm like, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's pretty bad. She's like, hmm. About next week, I'm like, no, this is my only week free. I go back to work next week, then I go to New York. She's like, they did want you to come once a week. I'm like, no, I know, I know, but I'm, I never, I wanted to just meet them and like get on the books and then start coming regularly when I'm living back in LA. So I'm just telling you, I won't be back for a while. She's like, do you want them to follow up with you next week just to remind you to try to come in soon? I'm like, no, I won't be here. Like, is anyone fucking listening? Why don't you get your hearing tested? Everyone up in that building. And, of course, I get an email yesterday from the woman. Hi, Susie, the assistant. Jennifer, just checking in on um, your voice and why you're not coming in. I'm like, I'm in fucking New York. I'm in New York. I'm just sick of weird fucking people making it my problem. Does that make sense? It's like, just act like a freak in a way that at least entertains me. Do you have to include me? Like, I feel like I'm the unwilling straight man to your whatever the fuck you're doing and I don't have time I, I, there's nothing that makes me feel like a little kid faster you know those Kathy cartoons and she visits her mother and she turns into a little kid it, it, it's, that, it's that feeling of like could you stop treating me like this great story Jen how do you do it how do you just complain how do you find not the joy in everything but whatever the opposite of that is how do you find it I will tell you I have a newfound healthy fear of Southwest Airlines. Oh my fucking God, have we ever in the history of aviation in this country heard of a window smashing in someone's head being sucked out? I mean, I can't even. I didn't realize that like when we got the reports that this woman, uh, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, of course you do this would have happened a couple of weeks ago by now, but the Southwest flight that was flying from LaGuardia to Dallas that had to land emergency in, uh, was it Philadelphia? Engine blew up, shrapnel hit one of the windows, busted it open. The woman that was in the window seat got hit in the head, and then her head started getting sucked out of the plane, as we're often told would happen if, if a window burst, and then people pulled her back. But uh, I guess they were at a low enough altitude that it didn't take the whole plane down because that's supposed to depressurize everything so crazy, Cray, that you're all fucked. So it's good to know that, like, the window can break. It just has to be below 10,000 feet. 
But when we were hearing those stories of that woman, um, she was dead already, but we didn't know that. Um, so it was really sad to hear that she had actually died. Um, but yeah, I like, I'm so curious, like how much of her started to get sucked out of the window. I mean, the windows aren't that big. Like, I'm kind of assuming it was more like just her head was getting sucked out, which is traumatic. And it's not like her whole body and they were pulling her back. But my favorite part was like all the pa those those Twitter pictures of the passengers with their oxygen masks on. They didn't have them over their noses, just their mouths. And a lot of them were like, no, we thought we were going to die. And we were like using our other hand to text or something. I don't know what they were saying. But it's like, but you, there's a strap. You just put it on and breathe and then you can text. But. I guess people were just like, we were losing our shit. And because they weren't um, completely reliant on the oxygen, because they were at a lower altitude, I guess they could sort of half breathe on their own, half use the oxygen. But it just shows like nobody fucking pays attention to the videos. Or on Southwest, they do a little comedy routine. I don't know if you fly Southwest, but they literally do stand-up routines. Um about using the oxygen masks and they make weird dark jokes about planes crashing. So maybe less comedy and more checking the engines. I know that's not the flight attendants deal, but now I just feel like Southwest, like I used to love flying Southwest. I'd fly it like it's, it's a great airline. If you live in LA, you fly it to Vegas, it's the 45 minutes. It's great for short little trips. You know, you get your boarding group A if you're lucky. And I used to love it. And I'm like, oh, Southwest is great. You know what I love about them is like they do, you know, I know the comedy routines are annoying to a lot of people, especially comedians. But like for some reason I liked it. I'm like, I love a little dark humor. It's their way of saying like, look, this shit never happens. Let's have fun with it. And now I'm like, you know what? Don't have fun with it because it did happen and it is happening. And when I was Googling to read everything I could about this plane incident, um, a different Southwest thing had come up that had happened three days before in New Orleans where for some reason it was cleared to take off this flight and it was flying through such a crazy storm that people were throwing up and crying and texting their families. Like we're going to die. Like they were just like, there's no way this plane is going to land safely. And, uh, it did, but it was a nightmare. So I'm like, I don't know if Southwest is like, we're kind of fucking up lately. So, you know, I'm, I'm really, um, my fear of flying is in a, a healthy place. I'm not in a phobia of it. Um, I have a healthy respect for how majestic it is, but now I have a healthy fear of Southwest or I'm like, you know what? Maybe I don't need to go in Southwest for a while because I do think something's up. Um, obviously there's Southwest planes flying over my head right now as I speak in every city and have been since this incident. And you could argue that they would even be more on top of things now because of what happened, but I, there's something about it. So I had to fly to Massachusetts last weekend, um, four days after the Southwest crash. I was supposed to fly out of LaGuardia on a short flight from JetBlue from LaGuardia to Boston. And there was just something less appealing to me about it. There was just, so I was like, you know, I got to fly to Indiana in a couple of weeks and that'll be fine. And I won't be panicked or anything, but um, maybe not too many planes. You know, I just, I'm mad at planes right now. Like, you know what, planes, I've been giving you some good reviews these past few years that I haven't really been a fearful flyer. I've been loving on you planes. I've been telling people how great you are. And what are you doing? No, I'm going to get down. I'm going to take a train. I know trains are derailing left and right. There's no infrastructure in this country. But 
But it's also kind of a pain in the ass to get to the airport on a Friday night, and I left work and just got on an Amtrak, which a lot of people would find a pain in the ass, but I walk to the subway, I take the subway, I go to Penn Station, I get on the Amtrak. It's not really a big deal. The big deal was the guy talking loudly on his cell phone in first class, which first class is no guarantee that it's going to be quiet. But he was like, uh, yeah, hey, Bill. Um, yeah, I just wanted to give you an update. So you did not get hired at Amazon. Then he really said Amazon. I was like, oh, I don't know what part. And he's like, uh, they don't really tell us why they didn't go with a certain uh, client, but um, I can tell. And it was like half an hour of him telling this client of his that he didn't get a job. He must have been a headhunter or something. It's like, did you really have to do that now on the plane? Also, like, I don't know. It was just so loud. I couldn't believe it. So I have this app. It's fucking awesome, by the way. They don't sponsor the show, so uh, I could get up and find my phone. But it's a, a free app you can download that it's the sound of a fan. Like, you know, a fan. Not a fan of my comedy, cheering and screaming. But, you know, a fan. You turn it on, the blades whirl around, you get some cool air. And it's that kind of white noise, but it's the specific white noise of a fan sound. I love it. I turned that up full blast in my headphones. Could still hear the guy. Yeah, Bill, I'm all right. I don't know why that went have Then there was a four top next to me, you know, uh, and it was a guy. It was like a gay guy and his best friend. And how do you know he was gay? Maybe he wasn't, but he was talking about one of his ex-boyfriends, and he was like, honey, okay, okay, honey, no, please, girl, I gotta tell you, first of all, do you see the lines in my face, I'm a real estate agent in Boston, this is stress, okay, I'm having too much wine, my mom drinks too much, don't even get me started, issues with women, but I love Jody, my best friend, oh my god, anyway, I saw this total fag, and he just kept saying fag a lot, so, okay, maybe he wasn't gay, but he didn't say the words, I am gay, but he seemed gay, so anyway, He's talking, and he mentioned his boyfriend, or his ex-boyfriend. He's talking loudly, like monologuing to the hilt, and he's talking to a 25-year-old girl, and she's like, I just moved to New York, and then her voice is like, ding, 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 and he's like, honey, and then his best friend was kind of quiet, and then there was a fourth guy who was sitting at their table, but they were all strangers, um, you know what I mean? The only two people who knew each other was gay guy and his best girlfriend, and then 25-year-old that just moved to New York was a stranger to them. They were a stranger to her. And then a stranger to all of them as well was um, this guy. Uh, and so that guy was snoring. He'd fallen asleep. Somehow was managing to be asleep with these two voices cackling in his ears. And he was just going, <laughs> so I would hear a snoring sound, which you know makes me fucking nuts. And then him, and then her, and, and then the other guy. Yeah, he was, you know who that guy was? The one uh, letting his, I swear to God, he was legit, literally, but not literally, the guy in office space. who's like, you're going to have to move down to the basement. It was exactly that guy. Okay, so what was my point? So I took the Southwest. Listen, I'm not trying to say what I went through was more harrowing than what the, the people in Southwest went through, but... You know, decide for yourself. Decide for yourself if me not being able to find a seat in the quiet car was equal to um, having an oxygen mask deployed and thinking I'm going to die. So what, of course, is upsetting about this story is there's some sexism. The pilot 
as I say, she's a female person, but she's not a female pilot. Well, we know, and by the way, this kicks the dick off anything Sully did. I mean, it's kind of awesome that he landed on the water and he took that chance. But this bitch landed a plane. She got to 10,000, she got below 10,000 so fast and so safely and the window was out and an engine exploded. Come on. I wonder technically which was the harder thing to do. I'm sure they're both in the same, whatever. But, you know, Sully's a hero. Tom Hanks is playing him. You think Tom Hanks is playing this woman? Is they going to make a movie? They better. Tom Hanks better play her. And every article, every article about Sully, hero, hero, every article about her, a female pilot. It's 2018, you fucking morons. We got to stop this shit. I mean, to, I don't have anything articulate to say about it, except you fucking morons. We got to stop this shit. Just cut the shit. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. <sighs> now listen, only 6% of pilots are women, so I'm not saying we should ignore the fact that she was a woman. I think we should celebrate it and talk about it, but we shouldn't be astounded that she's a woman. We should be like, I hope this helps everyone feel at ease that women can also uh, be the hero of your flight. Uh but it's just that the articles about her weren't about that. They were just calling her a female pilot and then getting on with the details of what happened. And it's like, mm, that's what's so fucking annoying. A black doctor saved a bunch of people in a hospital the other day. It's like, you, I mean, I'm not saying people don't say that, but it's like, you can recognize how crazy that sounds. And I still think we don't always recognize how crazy female sounds before things, before jobs. So, um, this is from mercurynews.com. I'm not really sure what that is, but, um, a feeling of pride swept through the, oh, it's by Beverly Weintraub, special to the Washington Post. Okay. A feeling of pride swept through the small community of female pilots Wednesday as word spread that the captain who had safely landed Southwest, well, the, by the way, she's writing female pilot for a point, safely landed Southwest Airlines flight 1380 after an engine blew out in midair the day before was a woman. But disappointment tempered that sentiment. Virtually all news coverage of the incident put the word female before pilot. As a private pilot, aircraft owner, and airplane racer, I shared both the pride and the disappointment. Why not call the hero captain simply a pilot? Was Chelsea Sully Sullenberger uh, referred to as a male pilot after landing U.S. Airways Flight 1549 in the Hudson? And why the surprise that a former Navy fighter pilot and seasoned airline captain, as Schultz is, could handle an emergency situation calmly and competently? Could be the numbers. In 1960, there were 25 female air transport pilots licensed to fly for the airlines. Um, in 2016, there were 6,888, a huge increase, but still only 4.4% of the U.S. airline pilot population. Oh, wow. I said 6%, it's even less. Overall of nearly 600,000 pilots licensed by the FAA, approximately 39,000 are women. That's around 6%. Okay. The lack of exposure goes only so far as an explanation. Women have been flying for more than a century and flying professionally for nearly as long. Um, even someone who's never personally seen a female pilot, oh my God, and there's people who haven't, should be able to entertain the notion that there are flyers who don't happen to be met. Um, 
This woman talks about scenarios, again, she's a pilot, that have happened to her and to a friend. Um, And the third and fourth examples to women who have posted about the incidents on Facebook. One, the pilot who suggests that the woman with her plane parked nearby should take a pinch hitter course so she can learn to land it. Uh, The woman who taxis her plane to the fuel pump and is greeted by a line guy blankly looking around and asking, where's the pilot? Uh, Another example, the commercial pilot who goes to an aviation conference and is ignored by the airplane salesman passing out brochures to all the other male pilots in the crowd, though she may be, well, the most experienced flyer of the lot. And another thing, the air transport pilot who is repeatedly mistaken for a flight attendant or if she is recognized for what she is, has to listen to passengers grumble within earshot and sometimes to her face that they don't like flying with a woman in the cockpit. It's just like when Harlan Williams, or whatever his name is, Harlan something, uh, thought I was a waitress backstage at Largo in Los Angeles, which if you know Largo, it's a theater and they don't have waitresses or waiters, period. But there's, there's not a thing. So I'm backstage talking to the owner, joking around. He asked me to get him a drink. He's not kidding. Then he tries to play cool about it. I'm like, go fuck yourself. Um, And that happened within the last three years. Okay, so let's celebrate this badass bitch. Nerves of steel, they say about her. Tammy Jo Schultz. Things looked grim aboard the Southwest Airlines flight, but you wouldn't have guessed it hearing the calm from the former Navy fighter pilot guiding the plane to safety. Blah, 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 blah. The captain shrugged off praise for her actions. We all feel we were simply doing our jobs, she said in a statement posted on the airline's social media pages. Our hearts are heavy on behalf of the entire crew. We appreciate the outpouring of support from the public and our coworkers as we all reflect on one family's profound loss. The pilots said they had been interviewed by investigators Wednesday and would not be doing any media interviews. Schultz's swift response won't likely surprise those who served with her when she joined the Navy in 1985, two years after earning her bachelor's degree in biology and agribusiness from Mid-America Nazarene University in Olathe, Kansas. As one of the Navy's first female fighter pilots, She served in VAQ-34, a tactical electronic warfare squadron out of Point Mugu, California, that helped train ship crews to respond to Soviet missile threats, according to Navy records. Schultz was among the first cohort of women pilots to transition to tactical aircraft. She later was an instructor for the EA-6B Prowler, an electronic warfare plane that counts jamming radar systems and gathering radio intelligence among its responsibilities, and for the F-A-18, a carrier-capable combat jet, the records show. After transferring to the reserves from 1993 to 2001, she retired as a lieutenant commander with two Navy Marine Corps Achievement Medals and a National Defense Service Medal. She was also a pistol marksman. Um... A former colleague says Schultz was always passionate about flying and that her efforts Tuesday showed how Navy training prepared her well. I am glad she was the pilot in command that day. And I guess they were saying that she literally used to, like, her specialty was, like, how to get a plane that's crashing below 10,000. Like, it's she was, like, exactly the right person for the job, which is crazy. 
Um, in air traffic control audio, Schultz spoke calmly and slowly, describing the emergency unfolding, all while trying to land the plane. We have a part of the aircraft missing, she told air traffic control. Speaking briefly about the emergency landing the plane would have to make in Philadelphia, she asked matter-of-factly, could you have the medical meet us there on the runway as well? We've got injured passengers. Air traffic control responded, injured passengers, okay, and is your airplane physically on fire? No, it's not on fire, she replied, but part of it is missing. They said there's a hole and that someone went out. Yes, I'm auditioning for the role. The controller responded, um, I'm sorry, you said there was a hole and somebody went out? Southwest 1380, it doesn't matter. We will work it out there. I think they're like, um, yeah, okay. I don't believe you. Um, another passenger heard, brace for landing, brace for landing. It was a rough landing and things were so chaotic he wasn't sure if the plane was going to crash. Uh, everyone was crying, blah, blah, blah. The pilot was a veteran in the Navy. She was very good, blah, blah, blah. Passengers told CNN that the pilot walked through the aisle and talked with them to make sure they were all right. Um, that's it. Well, there was somewhere I had read where she had some sexism in her, um, Ooh, Christianity Today wrote about her. This is G the headline is Jesus Take the Wheel. They're going to credit Jesus to this. Um, hang on. La, 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 la. No, 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 no. Boop, 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 boop. There was something about, like, the sexism she encountered in the Navy, and people were like, you can't do that. And she was like, yes, I fucking can. Um... Let me just see if I can find it. If I can't, you get the point. Of course, there was sexism. Um, beep, beep, beep. Where is it? Oh, Schultz was trained as a Navy fighter pilot at a time when female pilots were not allowed to fly with combat units. That, that was what I thought was kind of cool. Um... Schultz said long ago when she was in aviation officer candidate school, if you're a woman, you're a high profile, you're under more scrutiny. It would be nice if they would take away the ceilings that women have over our heads. Shortly after that article was published, Defense Secretary Les Aspen lifted the restrictions on female pilots flying combat missions. But by then, Schultz had already left the active duty Navy. Schultz also spoke about the difficulties she and other female Navy aviators faced in the 1998 book Call Sign Revlon, The Life and Death of Navy Fighter Pilot Kara Haltgreen, written by Sally Spears, Haltgreen's mother. A friend of Schultz's, Haltgreen was the first female Navy pilot certified for combat duty. She was killed in October 1994 in a crash while attempting a landing on the aircraft carrier USS Abraham Lincoln. In the book, Schultz noted that Navy commanders tried not to show female pilots special treatment, but their actions sometimes had the opposite effect on male pilots. Like they would have the women in for coffee and cookies with the captain, it made us feel like idiots. I mean, nobody has coffee and cookies with the captain. I don't know what that means. But if she says so, then, then, then I fucking believe her. Don't you ask me to have coffee and cookies. This is ridiculous. What should we end on? Should we end on a quick listener email? I think we should. 
somebody wants to know. Yes, I have been accused of racism in my Netflix special with the story I tell about the Italian guy on the trip. And it's, you know what, maybe it is. It's like, I understand, you know, the horrible expression WAP is without papers and Italians and, and every marginalized community that came over uh, to New York and built this city. Like, I totally get it. But I don't know. I feel like in my head it's different if I'm telling the story of a little old white guy in Italy who's being sexist to me, who's going, and I'm, I'm going, I know I'm doing a bad accent, like it's part of the joke, but he, there is, like, there is a, there is a reality to the lilt of an Italian accent, and he was very overdramatic, and so when I said I'm alone doing a ghost story, he was like, oh, no, I can't have it, and it was like, he was literally fulfilling the stereotype of, like, over. so, I mean, but whatever, I've had definitely had it written in reviews and whatever, so this guy wrote me, Tim, I am curious, did any actual Italians complain? Well, see, no, I didn't hear it from an actual Italian, so. Complain about your little old Italian man story, or was it just the outrage committee? My name may not sound Italian, but I was raised by an Italian mother in a clan of Italian women, and I am 100% sure that none of them would be offended and would most definitely laugh. He sounds like the male version of my great-grandma, though Nani wouldn't waste anyone's time like that. These assholes, assholes can go fungul themselves. Fuck the haters, Tim. Thank you, Tim. And by the way, why haven't your Italian mothers and relatives watched my fucking thing. Uh, this wedding planner can totally relate to me over, I think I was complaining about, like, I heard some female comics. Um, this woman talking about how she was a comic and, you know, it's not really hard for women anymore. And I was sitting there, like, by myself at a bar and I was like, right next to her and she didn't recognize me and I was like excuse me because of me and my friends in the 90s in New York <laughs> pounding the pavement we and the women before us all the women before you made it easy it didn't just happen anyway this wedding planner wrote girl I was listening to your podcast and can totally relate to getting angry at the young kids coming up and not recognizing that us old timers See, so make yourself sound old with these weird typos. I'm just kidding. I'm in the wedding industry, and every kid starting out thinks they are David fucking Tutera. I don't know who that is, but I assume it's like a big-time wedding planner. And has no respect for experience. I am so glad you went to a fancy design college, but have you been yelled at by dozens of drunk guests yet? Have you had to stick your hand up a bride's corset to fix her boobs? Have you held a vomit bag under a bride between photography? Child, I've been handling these requests over 15 fucking years. Stop and respect my level of experience and ask for some help. I truly get irrationally angry. Oh my God, nothing gets me more heated than a random friend or mom who thinks they are a wedding planner and show up with a clipboard and I spend more time trying to stop them from living out their J-Lo wedding planner dream and fucking everything up. Bitches, have some respect and let me do my job. I'm good at it. Again, irrational, I know. Don't use my email or name. I gotta stay warm and fuzzy for the couples who still believe in love. Anonymous. I love how she keeps saying irrational. It's like, this is such a woman thing. It's totally rational. Maybe the, like, the amount of anger you feel, but I, I took it as you were being funny. <sighs> anyway. Um... I don't even know what I'm saying. Oh, I'm just reading other emails. Do you like when I do that? You love when I do that. There's so many more, um, but I will get to those another time.
Oh, I love when you guys write in. Oh my God, I'm obsessed. Also, I'll read that next time. Oh my God, there's just so much to talk about. I could record like 10 episodes right now, but I won't. Until next week, have fun.